Very, very glad to be here tonight. Tremendous singing, just outstanding. I uh, want to thank you for the encouragement that you've given to me. I'm very thankful that I was given the invitation to be here with you for this short meeting. And I hope that what we have prepared to study is a blessing to you. And if you consider yourself a visitor, we hope that you feel blessed by being here. We want to talk tonight about a couple of questions that Jesus asked in Matthew 16, 26. We'll have the scriptures on the screen for your convenience and for time's sake. So uh, if you want to read those from there, if you'd rather turn along in your Bible, uh, I don't know that you'll have time to do that all of the time as we go through these studies. But uh, we'll try to be a little bit more patient if that's what you prefer. Matthew 16, 26. Jesus said, For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? You know, Jesus in his teachings would often use things that were very familiar to people's everyday life. And whether we know it or not, these terms that he uses here, these are terms that you and I use every single day. Profit, gain, Loss and exchange. If you're in any type of business, you're familiar with these terms, especially if you own a business. And we're going to talk about these terms as we go through and examine what Jesus was really getting to. But before we get into all the terms, I want to begin by talking to you about this loss that Jesus spoke of. You know, if you haven't experienced loss in life, you're very lucky. Life, unfortunately, is filled with peaks and valleys. That's just the way it is. Life's not fair. We ought to be glad for that. Job said, man that is born of a woman is a few days and full of trouble. Have you experienced trouble, loss in life? Sure you have. Loss is hard. You know, sometimes we lose a loved one. That's a very, very difficult loss in life. Sometimes people lose their job. And it's hard, isn't it? It makes life tough. Sometimes people lose their pension. Sometimes people might even lose a spouse, a child. Those are great losses. But I want us all to understand that the loss that Jesus spoke of in Matthew 16 is the greatest loss that anyone can experience because friends Jesus was talking about the loss of the soul you know there's a very popular doctrine today going around saying that the soul really can't be lost that there's really no eternal punishment God's not gonna punish people Jesus just said those things so that we'd be good <laughs> Jesus said the soul can and for many will be lost. Fear not them which kill the body but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him. That's God, which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. He talked about a place of destruction where soul and body were destroyed. Punishment. Loss. 
In Matthew 13 and 49, Jesus giving a parable about the end of the world said, So shall it be at the end of the world. The angels shall come forth and sever the wicked from among the just and shall cast them into a furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. You know, I don't know what you think of when you read this phrase, and I'll tell you what it takes me back to. And you'll probably think this is a little bit strange. Uh, When our daughter was born, our middle daughter Kennedy was born, she was in the hospital for the first four and a half weeks of her life. And uh, they didn't have room in the, the NICU unit, the neonatal unit. So they put her in the pediatric unit with all the other kids. And we would go in there and we'd see her several times a day. And some of these children were very, very sick. Terrible illnesses that these kids had. And, and I want you to know that when you'd walk through there and you'd hear them screaming and crying and wailing, that it was a very horrific sound. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that there's going to be children wailing in punishment. I don't believe that. But the sound of collective wailing is a terrible thing. Does this sound like pain and torment? Wailing and gnashing of teeth. You know, some people say, well, Ian, are you one of those hellfire and brimstone preachers? I suppose I plead guilty to that from time to time. Well, that's just mean and hateful. Don't you know we should talk about positive things? I like positive things, don't you? Who introduced us to the idea of punishment? Who introduced us to the idea of there being a hell? You know, it wasn't Moses, and it wasn't David, and it wasn't Solomon or Hezekiah or Samuel. It was Jesus Christ. He introduced us to this place. And why did he do that? The Bible says in 2 Peter 3, 9, The Lord is not slack concerning his promises. Some men count slackness. But as long-suffering to us, we're not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. The reason why Jesus told us that the soul could be lost, that there was a place of punishment and torment, is because he doesn't want one single person to go there. He wants every single person to repent and not perish. Is that mean and hateful? No, it's not. I want you to think about this idea. Your kid is walking toward a huge ditch. And you go, don't, don't step over into that ditch. You'll hurt yourself. Why, Dad, that's mean and hateful. That's what we do. And really what we're saying is, look, don't tell me about my life. Don't tell me how to live my life. Just leave me alone and let me do what I want to. Otherwise, you're judgmental or you're hateful or you're butting into my business. Friends, Jesus said, there's a loss to be concerned about. Not just any loss, a loss of the soul. I want us to think about this idea of profit and exchange. And if any of you have known me very long, you probably know I'm very simple-minded. My wife likes to repeat that, and uh, sometimes I have to agree with her. Um, So I like to use simple examples. 
I'm not really interested in giving you a math lesson, but I just want to think about this idea of profit and exchange. Let's say you own a shop, and in that shop you sell bicycles, and you have put on this bicycle a retail price of $200, but you paid $100 for the bicycle, where your projected profit is $100. That's profit and exchange. Profit means that which takes place once the exchange or the trade is over. Now listen, once you've made the exchange, don't worry about all that over there. That's done. What you're left with is either profit or loss. Jesus asked the question, what is a man profited if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? What's left for him? What is he really left with if he's made that exchange? You know, there's a saying in the financial world, it's called buyer beware. And I remember hearing Dave Ramsey talk about years ago, they taught real estate agents to teach the consumer that they needed to be aware of some things. Be aware. And one of those things was, is if you buy a house and you wake up and you go, oh no, what have we done? Don't worry about that, that's normal. And really it's not, but they want you to think it is so you don't freak out. Been there? Maybe you're like me. You go to Walmart, you come home, and you're looking through the bags and often say, who bought this? And my wife goes, you did. (laughs) Say, well, we don't need this. Well, luckily, you can take anything back to Walmart, so, you know, go get your money back. Not everything in life is that simple, though. Sometimes I stay up at night and think, and every now and again, I'll, try to turn my mind off, and I'll turn on the television. You know, there's nothing on at night. So infomercials often run. I remember several years ago, I was watching television, and this guy came on the TV, and he was excited. I mean, he's practically screaming at the camera about this miracle product that he's selling. And I'm about half, you know, awake, so... I'm kind of leaning back and the eyes are drooping. And as he begins to tell me about this product, I begin to set up. My posture changed and I'm leaning forward and I'm going, okay, I'm starting to need this. And this miracle product come in a can. And I I used to be a carpenter and so there's a lot of things in life that are important to me. But when it's an easy fix, that's very important. And this guy takes this miracle spray and he sprays it on a gutter and it quits leaking. And I'm like, okay. He sprays it on a, this flower pot and he fixes it. Take my money. <laughs> then he takes the boat, cuts the bottom out, puts a screen door on the bottom of it, throws it out there after he puts his miracle product, and it floats. And I am on this emotional high getting ready to pick up the phone at about 2 a.m. and call and buy this stuff. And a thought occurred to me. You know, we have the power of the internet. I wonder what other consumers who have bought this product think of it. So I get on the internet. And I didn't go to flexseal.com because those reviews sort of are bias. So I find a what looks like an objective review site. Start reading about this product. And as I'm reading, yes, it'll... Clear up hairline cracks if you use enough of it. It can even do what they said with the pot. But do you know how many cans of Flex Seal it would take to seal up the bottom of a boat? Go buy another boat. 
The stuff's not cheap. You know what it did? As I was reading these reviews, I came down off of that emotional high. I didn't buy it. You know, that's not a very big deal. I could have been out $20. But still, I'm thankful that someone took the time to say, Look, this is really what you're trading for. And this is really what you're going to get. And if I can do anything tonight, I hope I can do for you what these people did for me in a very, very minor way. People are trading their everlasting soul. You know, the first time that someone made a trade in Scripture was in the very beginning with Adam and Eve. And I want you to think about what Adam and Eve had, what God had given them. Adam and Eve lived in a paradise. Now, when you think of a paradise, I think of this plush, green place. The flowers are blooming. Maybe the animals are running around. The weather's perfect. The climate's perfect. Everything that you need is provided for you. Sounds good, doesn't it? Especially when you live in West Texas with the dust flying in the air. Paradise sounds good. Well, I moved to East Texas. It's not so great. (laughs) They had it great though, folks. They lived in a world where they were able to talk with God. And I'm not talking about in prayer. I mean literally talk to God. They talked with Him. They walked with Him. They had access to the tree of life. They lived in a world that was free of sin, sickness, pain, and death. You know what that sounds like to me, Brother D? Sounds like heaven. They had it. And then someone decided to come and offer them a trade. You know, I've had some good fruit. I remember when I was in high school... We took our senior trip to Hawaii and we ate some pineapple over there. I've never liked pineapple since then because that pineapple was so good. But not that good. He made them an offer and he talked it up and he told them how great it was going to make their lives. And you know what they did? Well, at least Eve, she was deceived by his promotional spill. And so she took of the fruit and she ate it. And then she gave it to Adam. And he ate it. There's the trade. Fruit. What did they profit? Friends, they didn't profit anything. They lost everything. And I just wonder if hindsight being 2020, as God was driving them out of the garden, out of his presence, if Adam and Eve looked back and said, you know what, that fruit was really good. If he would have offered me that again, I would do it in a heartbeat. doesn't matter how they felt about it because it was too late. That's how profit works. When we're talking about our soul, once the profit or loss happens, it's final. Final sale, no refunds. 
You know, one thing people are trading their soul for is earthly possessions. Paul spoke to Timothy in 1 Timothy 6 about this. He said, but godliness with contentment is great gain. I want you to notice that word gain there. And I want you to think about this. Gain. We know what gain means, right? We says contentment that is being satisfied with what you already have is great gain. Well, that really doesn't make sense, doesn't it? Sure it does. No, it's not wealthy gain. It's not physical gain. It's spiritual gain. And how does that happen? By just being content? You know what? There's a lot of people in life that are content. But that doesn't mean that they have godliness with contentment. He goes on to say, For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us be therewith content. The old saying goes, You don't see a U-Haul being pulled by hers. People build up for themselves masses and masses of wealth. Bigger and better toys. He that dies with the most toys wins, we say. What's the truth? He that dies with the most toys is dead just like the man that had none. You don't take it with you. You can't take it with you. And I feel a little bit inadequate about understanding this phrase, having food and raiment be content, because I can't think of a time in life when that's all that I had. And yet many times we're still not content. They that will be rich, he says, fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. You know, when I was uh, about my son's age, I was at the apartment complex where my mom was the manager of the apartments, and uh, I was swimming out there with a couple of girls that lived in the apartment complex, and one of these girls was quite a bit older than me, And I guess I made her mad. I don't remember what I made her mad about. All I remember is she took me by the head and pushed me under the water. And for a couple seconds, I thought this was playful. And then I started to panic. And I started to flail around. I started to fight her, trying to get her off of me because I was fighting for air, not being able to breathe. I want you to know something, folks. This is the description that he gives to people that have a desire to gain the riches of this world. That they will drown themselves in destruction. You ever heard anybody set off on a business venture and go, Honey, we are going to make so much money, we're going to be totally miserable. But you've seen it happen, haven't you? You've seen people. Because we draw a line in the sand and we step over it. And we say, when I reach this much I'll be happy and we draw another line and how many lines will be drawn they never stop now he doesn't say the rich and I'm glad he doesn't friends because I think we are rich but it's those whose desire is to be rich 
No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold the one and despise the other. You cannot love, or cannot serve rather, God and mammon. You know, I've read this phrase before, no man can serve two masters. I'm afraid that I've thought when I've read this, some men can't serve two masters. Jesus said, no man can. I want to ask you a question. Do you hate money? <laughs> now, Ian, you're meddling. Do you hate money? I'm not asking if you have it. What did he say? You'll either hate the one and love the other or else hold to the one and despise the other. What does Jesus want? Does he want us to, to not have anything? Does he want us to, to, to just disregard everything that has to do with money? Jesus told us what he wanted just a few verses before. He said, lay not up for yourselves treasures in, uh, upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Where neither moth or rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Is there anything you treasure? You know, my wife's got some jewelry that she got from her grandmother. And you know what? She doesn't let the girls play with it. She doesn't. You know why? Because it's valuable to her. There are certain documents that we have at our home that we put inside of a fire safe. You know why? Because that's where you put treasure. Because it's valuable. What do you treasure? Whatever you love, whatever you treasure, Jesus said that will be a good indication of where your heart is. What does Jesus want from us? He wants our heart. He wants our commitment. He doesn't want us to have one foot in the world and one foot in the Lord. Friends, you're in the world, but you don't have to be of the world. Your heart doesn't have to be here. You know, a lot of people, you know why they trade their soul for money, for possessions? Because they think it's a better offer. They feel like they can get something better out of what this world has to offer. I want you to listen to what Peter said in 1 Peter 1. He said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Listen, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth not away reserved in heaven for you. Some people may be offered a good pension plan. Maybe you've got a good 401k or something like that. Well, I want you to know, friends, that could all disappear. I could say some words not right now that probably wouldn't be considered cuss words by everybody, but some they would. Enron, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac. What happened? People experience loss. Loss of what? Loss of retirement. Loss of pension, loss of homes. You know what? People have been really crazy lately watching the stock market. And I want you to know something. If the stock market crashes tomorrow, if you've got an inheritance in heaven, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what Dow Jones does or NASDAQ. If oil prices skyrocket or they drop, your inheritance in heaven doesn't matter. 
It's there. And it's eternal. And it's better. What Jesus offers you is better than anything this life has to offer. You know, something that we hold very dear in life is our relationships with other people. I think that's a good thing. We have good relationships in life, don't you? Relationships can be a great encouragement to us. They help us in life. They, they help bring joy to our life. But you know, Jesus gave us a harsh reality in the narrative here of John chapter 12 when it says, Nevertheless, among the chief rulers, also many believed on him, but because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue. For they love the praise of men more than the praise of God. Oh, Ian, I know those Pharisees, those chief scribes, they were just wicked. We could say this about a lot of high school kids. We could say this about a lot of college kids. I was one of those kids. I knew. I believed. But you know what? On church, at church on Sunday, I was one person. And the rest of the week when I was around my friends, I was very different. You know why? You know, sometimes there's extreme pressure to be a certain kind of person. It's easy here, isn't it? I could stand up here and praise the name of the Lord Jesus Christ all day long. And you know what? That would never make me feel uncomfortable. What if I was standing in a room full of atheists? Wouldn't be as comfortable, would it? It makes you feel a little bit different. That's how these people felt. But it really hits home, not when it's just with our co-workers and friends, but when it's with our family. I've got a very dear friend. He lives in Arkansas now. He's a pretty young guy. He wasn't raised in a church. He was raised by his grandparents. He really doesn't know his parents very well. Didn't really have a good relationship with them. Was sort of estranged, you might say. And, and this young man, he had a very dear relationship with those grandparents. And one day, after coming to an understanding of what he really needed to do, this man decided, I am going to make the right choice. And so he did. He obeyed the gospel of Jesus Christ and his sins were forgiven. And when he went home, he was ecstatic. He was excited. And he told his grandparents what he had done. And his grandfather said, you are a disgrace to this entire family. You have betrayed us. You think that hurt? For the people that raised you to call you a traitor, a disgrace... Still hurts. You know where he's at today? Following Christ. That's where he's at. Following Christ. Jesus told us it'd be this way. 
He said, think not that I'm come to send peace on earth. I came not to bring peace, but a sword. A sword. You know what you do with the sword? You cut. What did Jesus say was going to be cut? Families. There'd be variance against the father. Mother and daughter, there's going to be variance. You've seen this happen, haven't you? Jesus was not saying, friends, what I came to the earth to do was split up families. That's not what he was saying. But what he is is telling us a reality that there's going to come a time in life when we're going to have very, very tough choices to make. Well, Ian, if I do that, don't you know Thanksgiving is going to be awkward? (laughs) I wonder if that's a good trade. Jesus answered and said, Verily I say unto you that there is no man who hath left house or brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels. But he shall receive an hundredfold now in this time houses and brethren and sisters and mothers and children with lands with persecution and in the world to come eternal life. Someone says, That all sounds really good except for that one word, persecution. Well, you know, if you do what's right, you're going to face some type of persecution. But I want to focus on some other things he said here. Now, not to reveal too much privacy, but I'll just tell you that growing up, I I had a very estranged relationship with my mother. I didn't really grow up knowing what it was like to have a mother. And that was something I always wondered. What would it be like to have a mother in the home? I don't wonder that anymore. I go all over the place and stay with people. And I've got more mothers than I know what to do with. I've got brothers and sisters that I'm closer with than I am my physical brothers and sisters. I've got family everywhere. And I'm going to make a statement... And I have faith in this statement. I don't think that my brothers and sisters are going to call me a disgrace for following Jesus Christ. And I think they're going to encourage me and they're going to help me. When I'm depressed, they're going to help me. When I'm sad and lonely, they're going to be there. They're going to cry with me. They're going to laugh with me. And you know what? They're going to be there in eternity. Because that's the thing about earthly relationship, friends. There will be an end to all those earthly relationships. They're going to end one day. And some people are going to look back and they're going to notice that that relationship that they have traded their soul for no longer exists. And buyer's remorse will certainly be there. I want to talk to you about one more thing that people are trading their soul for. The Bible says in Hebrews eleven twenty four, 24, By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Now, when it says he was come to years, that means when he reached the age where he could be his own man, make his own decisions. He made a decision to refuse being called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. What does that mean? Who was Pharaoh? 
Well, he was the most powerful man on the face of the earth at the time. Could you imagine if your name would have been Rockefeller? (laughs) What could you have in life? Anything you want. That's what Moses refused. Maybe even heir to the throne. I don't know. That could be supposition. But I'll tell you this. He gave up a whole lot. You know what he chose? He chose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. I've had people get mad at me for saying this, and I'm going to say it anyway. Sin is pleasurable. There's pleasure in sin. It brings this sort of sense of satisfaction to the flesh. Sin is often fun. And people don't like me saying that, but I'll tell you, you know it's true. Because if sin did not bring pleasure, we'd never commit it. You know who else knows that sin is fun? This is an advertisement for a specific strong drink of alcohol. Look at those faces. This young couple just got married and and she is cheering him on, having so much fun as he swills from the bottle. Don't they look like they're having a good time? Well, you know what they say, time flies when you're having... Can you finish the phrase? Well, you'd be wrong because the correct answer is Bud Light. And you can't read this up here, up, uh, down here at the bottom, but it says with just 110 calories, Bud Light is the choice for light, refreshing, thirst-quenching fun. Fun. I saw this one one day in a magazine that about made me sick. This is Rafael Nadal, and if you don't play tennis or like tennis, that's okay. You may not understand this, but this guy now is not a nine-time, but a ten-time Grand Slam world champion. And I want you to know that is a big deal in the world of tennis. Kids growing up who play tennis, they want to be like this guy. Champions drink responsibly. You know what I see? I see two words when I look at this ad. Champions drink. You know what? These kids that idolize this man, you know what they're going to drink when they drink? Oh, they're not going to drink Captain Morgan. They're going to drink Bacardi Limited. You know why? Because that's what champions drink. You think they really care about responsibly? Bacardi doesn't care whether you drink responsibly, if that's even a real thing. What if the advertisements were true, though? See, that's just one side to sin. Yes, sin brings pleasure. I believe the advertisements. I remember seeing Spud McKenzie and the people playing volleyball on the beach, and I have no idea what alcohol has to do with playing volleyball. (laughs) It looked like a good time to me. And I'll just be honest, when I turned 18, it was time to leave home, and I was ready, and I ran. And I moved to Canadian Texas. I had a friend up there, 
close to my age. And I'll tell you, we didn't just have fun. We helped other people have fun. We would throw huge parties. And you know what? We were the life of the party. And we were having a good time. It didn't stop there. Because you know, pretty soon the fun runs out. It's just not as fun as it was. So one night I'm up there and God offers me a joint. Why not? It's a party. Pretty soon I'm smoking all day, every day. And you know, there's something that happens when you're living a life like this. You lose all ambition. So I quit my job. But you got to have money to eat, don't you? Sure got to have money if you're going to afford a habit like that. So you know what I did? I started selling it. And that didn't last either. And things just kept getting worse. And the way that I treated people was terrible. The way that I treated women was awful. All in the name of fun. And I'll tell you something, friends. We had a good time. I was in Okmulgee, Oklahoma. And I got a call from a guy that lived in Canadian. And I, I hadn't heard from him in years. And I said, uh, what's going on? He said, Ian, Jesse's dead. We found him today in his house. Looks like he overdosed. I've had a lot of good friends in life. And I'll tell you, as far as secular friends go, that man was the best friend I ever had. He wasn't like all of my friends. He was a good heart. And I remember times when he helped me. And he left this world laying in a puddle of his own vomit. With his wife and his daughter in the house. All in the name of fun. You know when I was off having fun, one thing I did not realize was that my dad was at home every single night through tears on his knees begging God to do something to wake me up. I didn't know that. I didn't know that I had lost every ounce of credibility that I'd ever had with all the people that knew me and loved me. I didn't know that. I didn't know that I'd have to spend years trying to repair the reputation that I had so damaged. And friends, I still don't know what kind of physical damage I have done to my body. Only time will tell. But I thank God. I thank God that he still will give freedom to a scum of the earth person like me.
Friends, don't think you can play with sin and have fun and not reap any consequences. Here's the facts. Good understanding giveth favor, but the way of the transgressor is hard. Life of sin, yeah, you'll have some pleasure. I'm going to tell you something about life. For a sinner, life is hard. There's no glory in an advertisement that shows someone down on their knees, hugging a toilet, thanking it for being cold. They don't tell you the truth. They don't tell you about a son that goes home drunk and beats his mother and gets thrown in jail. Or the kids who are in fear for their life every night when dad comes home. Or the weeping mother at her child's tombstone as she recalls the horror that must have gone through her child's mind as some drunken fool crossed the road into their lane. They're not going to advertise about the broken marriages. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that also shall he reap. For he that soweth to the flesh shall of the, of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap everlasting life. This is a law in life. You reap what you sow. And you can't go out and sow wild oats and then pray to God for a crop failure. What you're going to get is hard times. That's what you're going to get. Do you really think that it's a good trade? You know, I think about this trade and I think about the two twins, Jacob and Esau. I love this story. It's such a a good illustration when we think about this type of decision. Jacob, the Bible says, sawed pottage. And Esau came from the field and he was faint. That just means he was tired. He was weary. And Esau said unto Jacob, Feed me, I pray thee, with that same red pottage, for I am faint. Therefore was his name called Edom. Now, pottage here, I think of a bowl of beans. It means a stew of lentils. bowl of beans is pretty good. I love a bowl of beans. You know, some ham, hock, cornbread, whatever. It's great. This man smells this cooking and he says, I need your food. You know, brothers and sisters can be cruel sometimes. And I could just imagine Jacob smirking as he said, Okay, sell me this day thy birthright. My kids do that. They're 11 and 7, my oldest two. Can I have that? Well, what are you going to give me? You can have some of my food, Esau, but first, it's going to cost you. Esau said, Behold, I'm at the point to die. And what profit? Now he's thinking about the profit. I'll give him that. What profit shall this birthright do to me if I'm dead? That's his logic. 
And Jacob, he's kind of like some of us. Now, look, if we're going to really make this deal, <laughs> don't, we're not just going to go by word of mouth. You swear to me this day. Let's put it in writing. Birthright for a bowl of beans. And he made the trade. I'm at the point to die. You know, here's the thing about the flesh, friends. It's a liar. Your flesh is the biggest liar that ever existed. It lied to Eve because as he tried to sell her that fruit, she sat there and went, I really need this fruit. Just as Esau said, I really need, look, look, if I don't get some of these beans, I'm going to die if I don't get this. So he made the trade. You know, the later on in Hebrews, we get some commentary on this story. Commentary that the Genesis writer didn't give us. The Hebrew writer says, lest there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau. Now listen, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. For you know that how afterward, oh yeah, we forgot about that, didn't we? You know that how afterward... When he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected. I want us to really get this last statement. For he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. What changed? I mean, one guy, this guy's basically down on his knees saying, I will give you everything I have if you'll just give me some of your food. I mean, if you don't give me your food, I'm going to die. I mean, I've got to have your food. And the next minute, he's over here crying. Wishing he could take it back. Well, you know, he woke up the next morning, I'm sure, and his stomach will do what maybe some of yours are doing if you haven't eaten, which is kind of like what mine's doing right now, which is it kind of rumbles and lets you know that, hey, I'm hungry. And he realized, I have traded away something that was lasting for something that lasted for a moment. See, that's the pleasures of sin. Oh, it's pleasurable for a moment. But friends, filling this cup of the flesh is kind of like having a styrofoam cup with a hole poked through it. You can fill it up with water if you pour fast enough. I mean, it'll run over the top if you pour fast enough. But you stop pouring and you come back and it's empty. And so you got to pour more and you got to pour more and you got to keep pouring and the cup is never full. Because God did not design us to be fulfilled in the flesh. But God wants us all to have blessings. He wants to give us more blessings than our cup can hold. And real joy and real contentment and real peace and lasting relationships. I've paraphrased this for sake of time. Jesus said, if your hand offends you, cut it off. If your foot offends you, cut it off. If your eye offends you, pluck it out. Why? Because it's better to enter into the kingdom of God, maimed, halter with one eye, than having two hands, eyes, feet, to be cast into hell fire. How would you react tonight if I pulled out a knife, laid this hand on the table, and went to sawing? You'd say, that guy is crazy. Some of you may think that already. Well, no more power to you. <laughs> 
What if I told you, look, this hand was going to send me to hell? Some of you'd still say, that guy's crazy. Some of you'd say, well, Ian, you could probably figure out something else. I mean, it's insane to give up your hand, your foot. Trevor, foot's pretty important, isn't it? Your eye? Look, we're not talking about a foot or a hand or an eye. We're just talking about some possessions, some relationships, some pleasures. Would it really be a good trade if you end up in torment with your soul lost and you had all these things? What if you gain the whole world? I, I can't even imagine or fathom that statement. Gain the whole world. What would you really profit? Not much. Friends, tonight Jesus is calling for you. If your life is not right, maybe you need to make some tough choices. But I want you to know, if you choose Jesus Christ... You will not ever regret. There'll be no buyer's remorse. Do you need Jesus Christ tonight? Make a choice while you can still make a choice. Make a good trade. Come and have a seat. We invite you to come as we stand and sing.